I remember her well, I suppose really because of the story she told. I think I can even remember her name, though it was quite a number of years ago. She shuffled slowly into the consulting room. She was middle-aged and a bit disheveled. She'd had a stroke as a relatively young woman, and she told me a sad, sad story. Her husband had left her. You see, Doc, he doesn't want to be with a cripple anymore. Her son had just been imprisoned for murder. Her daughter was aged 15, and she was pregnant, and she was dabbling in drugs. And of course, the social were threatening to take her younger child into care. And she stopped and she sobbed, for the love of God, help me. And it's a phrase that we hear a lot, isn't it? And it's a phrase that I've heard a lot through my professional life. And I'm sure it's a phrase that you've come across. I think a lot of people have an innate sense of the love of God. And I suppose it's similar to the phrase, oh my God, that Paul referred to and spoke about just a few weeks ago. And for the love of God, it's a phrase that we take from the grace prayer, which is at the end of Second Corinthians. And we know it so well, don't we? And it will just come on the screen now just to remind us that this is what we're focusing on. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. We can recite it. We roll it off quite easily, don't we? And it's a huge, huge subject. What does the love of God really mean? I'm sure you're relieved to know that in 10 minutes tonight, I'm not going to give a theological treatise on the love of God, and uh, I'm certainly not capable of that. But I want to give you just a little overview and something that you can take home in easy bites, take-home passages. And we're going to base it on another very familiar verse, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's probably the most popular verse in the Bible because it encapsulates so clearly what we really believe, what the Christian message is all about. It can be said that this is the greatest fact. God loved us. The greatest act. He sent his son to die for us and the greatest pact. This is the real deal. It's not just all God. We have to reciprocate by believing in him. Fact, act, and pact. You can probably remember that as you go away. Let me just unpack it a wee bit further. Our new premises in Shandwick Place, which uh, you'll hear about yet again later, interestingly have an orange mobile telephone mast hidden in Worst Steeple. But Orange used to call themselves as the future, but they're now called EE, just to confuse things, which means everything everywhere. Well, I thought I'd borrow some of their E's and just give you some ease for God's love because I thought it was a wee bit more relevant than orange phone masks. God's love is extravagant. He so loved us, he proved it by sending his one and only son to die for us, the sacrificial death of his one 
and only Son. The second E, God's love is extensive. He loves everyone in the world as if each person was the only one in the world. He offers salvation to whoever receives it and believes in his son Jesus Christ. That is, whether you're good or bad, rich or poor, black or white, whatever. He loves everyone. But we have to reciprocate by believing. Another E, God's love is expensive. Expensive really isn't the right word, but he gave his one and only son. And we know that it was a cruel and horrible death. Crucifixion is one of the most brutal tortures known to mankind. And I remember reading a medical article some years ago on the actual pathophysiology of the death on the cross. And it was really just so horrible, I wouldn't want to share it with you. And we know that it's a horrible, horrible death, one of the worst that mankind can possibly inflict on their fellow human beings. But it was not just a horrendous death of a, of a human being. It was more than that. Jesus was fully God and fully man. It was a sacrificial death. He took our sins upon himself. He was crushed not only by asphyxiation, but also by the weight of sin. And these are huge theological concepts, but a tremendous burden and a tremendous impact, much of which we can't fully fathom. The sacrificial death of God's only son. What an expense. Another E, God's love is exceptional. God's love shown in the salvation that is offered to all who believe. Our souls won't perish. We have an eternal security from now on. Who else could offer that? I mean, it's tremendous, isn't it? We can speak these phrases almost too easily, but the profound meaning is immense. And then nothing Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And there's much in this life that we feel can. Let's turn, if you want, to join with me in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Some couple of take-home verses. It's on page 1135, 1135. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm sure often we do feel separated from the love of God. Each of us here will have personal experience of very big and very painful issues intruding in our lives that feel as if we are, in fact, separated from the love of God. I'm sure my patient these many years ago didn't feel the love of God, and I felt personally challenged to try and help her. And I felt that what she really needed was a belief in the living Christ, and not a prescription for Prozac, the antidepressant, which I rather 
feebly gave. And it's a challenge to us all, the love of God. God's love is exceptional, but we have a challenge also, that we have a challenge to demonstrate that love of God and to reach out to others. One further quotation from the scriptures, if you'd like to turn with me, page 1227, 1 John chapter 4. Verses 8 to 12. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. A real individual challenge to each and every one of us. It's not just a passive acceptance of God's love. And then God's love is eternal. Everlasting life is promised to all who believe in Jesus. We will live forevermore through eternity. And that proof is as we see here, the empty tomb. It would be easy for Jesus to mouth these words. It would be easy to dismiss them as some crazed sort of individual with psychotic delusions. But what a demonstration. What a demonstration of the defeat of death. The convincing evidence of the empty tomb. An everlasting life is promised to all who believe in Jesus. And we have the proof. And we have the evidence. In summary, God's love is extravagant. God so loved us, he sent his one and only son. It's extensive. It extends to everyone in the whole world. God's love is expensive. He sent his one and only son to die for us. It's exceptional. Our souls are secure. We cannot be separated from the love of God even though it feels very much like it at times. And God's love is eternal. He promises an everlasting life, which is a present possession for those who trust in Jesus for salvation. They will live forevermore with him throughout eternity. That's the challenge. That's the challenge before us. And that's the demonstration of the love of God. Thank you.